This is Judaism 101.9 with Rabbi Michael Katz of Elovo. Hi and welcome. Wonderful to be with you this afternoon. 11 minutes past two on this beautiful Wednesday afternoon here in Joburg. Isn't the weather fantastic? It uh, really is uh, spring in the air, but as spring comes into the air, and of course as we've passed the 15th of the month of Av, we are now in the six-week period before Rosh Hashanah. Yes, it is really, really, really close to Rosh Hashanah, and of course... Our uh, sages point out that once the 15th of Ab has passed and um, in the northern hemisphere, um, the nights start getting a little bit longer. It means that you have a little bit more time for Torah study, um, um, obviously work taking place only by day um, in a uh, pristine, beautiful and clear kind of a world. And therefore, at night, you've got more time for study. Well, I think it's obviously something that they wanted us to know, even in the Southern Hemisphere, that from the middle of the month above, even though our nights are getting a little bit shorter um, in this part of the world, still, the idea of really focusing on what we've got to do in order to be match-ready, match-fit and prepared for Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur, which is just six and seven weeks down the line, we've got to actually make sure that we spend a little bit more time introspecting, focusing on the right and the correct stuff, uh, cleaning up on our uh, mitzvah observance, cleaning up on our Torah learning, and getting ourselves into the right frame of mind so that come Rosh Hashanah and come Yom Kippur, we're there and thereabouts, we're ready, we're prepared, and uh, have nothing to be worried about. Today is, of course, the 20th of Av, the 20th of Menachem Av, otherwise known in Chabad Hasidic circles as Chof Av, the 20th of Av, um, is a very significant um, date in the Chabad calendar, and it is the day on which the late great Rabbi Levi Yitzchok Schneerson passed away in 1944. Now, who was Rabbi Levi Yitzchok Schneerson? Rabbi Levi Yitzchak Schneerson was the father of the Lubavitcher Rebbe, Rabbi Menachem Mendel Schneerson. And he passed away in Almaty in Kazakhstan on the this date, on the 20th of Av, in um, 1944, having been born in 1878. Um, and Rabbi Levi Yitzchak was the chief rabbi of Yekaterinoslav, currently Dineta Prosk, and was arrested and exiled to Kazakhstan by the Stalinist regime as a result of his work to preserve Jewish life in the Soviet Union. A tragic story, but nevertheless one that has a tremendous amount of resonance for uh, Hasidim all over the world, in particular for Chabad's Hasidim, because um, the uh, great Rabbi Levi Yitzchak of Schneerson was not only a renowned rabbi, rabbinic authority and Kabbalist in his time, but of course his son that he raised and schooled and educated and gave his direction in life, uh, Rabbi Menachem Mendel Schneerson, went on to become the seventh Chabad Lubavitch Rebbe. So let's, um, perhaps for the first part of today's um, show, let's talk about Reb Levi Yitzhak Schneerson, who he was, um, a little bit about his history, his early years, his marriage, um, his other children, and so on, which may be quite interesting for those who um, enjoy this kind of history and who think back um, about the background to our great leaders, to great people like the Lubavitcher Rebbe, of course. Well, Rebbe Levi Yitzhak Schneerson 
was born, as we said, in 1878. He was born on the 18th of Nissan in the town of uh, uh, Podrovna, which is near Gomel. And his parents were Rabbi Boruch Schneer and Rabbi Zelda Rochel Schneerson. Rabbi Levi Yitzchok was the eldest son of four children. He had two brothers, Rabbi Shmuel and Rabbi Sholem Shlomer, and one sister, Rabbi Rada Sima. His father, Rabbi Boruch Schneer, was a great-grandson of the third Lubavitcher Rebbe, Rabbi Menachem Mendel Schneerson, who was known as the Tzemach Tzedek. So there was a family connection, of course, to the Schneersons, remembering, of course, that the Schneerson name came about as being the sons, the children of Rabbi Schneer Zalman of Liadi, otherwise known as the Alter Rebbe, um, who was the founding father of Chabad Hasidism. So here... A couple of gener- number of generations later, um, Reb Levi Yitzchok is actually cousins to the Lubavitch uh, dynasty, to the Lubavitch Rebbe's family. As a small child, Reb Levi Yitzchok um, showed great signs of being a prodigy, as uh, the sixth Lubavitch Rebbe, later to become his machutin, uh, Rabbi Yosef Yitzchok Schneerson, would later write, he said, already at a young age, his extraordinary ter- talents were discovered. He mastered Kabbalah, Talmud, Hasidic philosophy, and was ordained by the leading Torah authorities of his time, Rabbi Chaim Soloveitchik of Brisk and Rabbi Eliyahu Chaim Meisel of Lodz. In 1900, at the age of 22, Rabbi Levi Yitzchok, who had already become renowned as a Kabbalistic and halachic scholar, married the Rabbi Tzinchana, whose uh, maiden name was Yanovsky. The daughter of Rabbi Meir Shlomo Yanovsky, the rabbi of Nikolaev, the chassid of the Rebbe Marash, the fourth Lubavitcher Rebbe, young Rebbe Tzinchana, was known herself to be a great scholar in her own right. Rabbi Shalom Dov Bereshnias and the fifth Lubavitcher Rebbe had suggested the shidduch. He had suggested the match, and the wedding took place on the 11th of Sivan in Nikolaev, where Rabbi Levi Yitzchok and Rebbe Tzinchana would remain for almost a decade. Rabbi Levi Yitzchok Schneerson and Rabbi Tzinchana gave birth to three sons. Their sons were Menachem Mendel, Dov Ber, and Yisrael Ariel Leib. The eldest son, Menachem Mendel, was born, of course, on the 11th of Nisan in 1902, and he would grow up to be the Lubavitcher Rebbe, known as our Rebbe. At the age of 31 in 1909, Rabbi Levi Yitzchok was called upon to serve as the rabbi of the Ukrainian city of Yekaterinoslav. The fifth Rebbe, Rabbi Shalom Devber Schneerson, was instrumental in securing the position, and he sent letters to various community leaders, including um, one Sergei Pavlov uh, uh, Fale, one of the city's most respected members of the Zionist movement. Rabbi Levi Yitzchok also met with uh, Menachem Usiskin, a community ad- activist who had served as secretary of the First Zionist Congress. And following his appointment as Rabbi, Rabbi Levi Yitzchok eventually assumed the position of chief rabbi, and he served that community for 32 years until 1939. Now, besides for a small Hasidic constituency, the Jewish community of Yekaterinoslav included many non-religious professionals who also held Rabbi Levi Yitzchok in great esteem. His wife, Rabbi Zinchana, was fluent in several languages, and she contributed to her husband's success and his influence as a communal leader. During his years of leadership, Rabbi Levi Yitzchok resolutely engaged in religious activism, never giving in to the ever-growing pressure from Soviets. He oversaw the building of a new mikveh and clandestinely officiated at weddings and circumcisions. 
one area of particular note was his involvement in the production of kosher for Pesach matzah. It's, uh, all factories in Russia were owned by the government. It was, their policy, it was their policy that set the standard for the matzah production. This is Judaism 101.9 with Rabbi Michael Katz of Elovo. Back to our topic we've been talking about, Reb Lady Yitzhak Schneerson. Reb Lady Yitzhak Schneerson, father of Lubavitcher Rebbe, whose yard site is today on Chof Menachemov on the uh, 20th of Av. And he passed away, as we said, in 1944. But we were talking about him being the rabbi of Yekaterinoslav. Um, and uh, one of the major things that he had to do, of course, was uh, to institute or to find a way of uh, making sure that there were, uh, was a production of kosher for Pesach matzah. So the Soviets knew that uh, for the Jews to purchase, purchase their matzahs, they would require rabbinic authority to provide halachic certification. When they turned to Reb Levi Yitzchok, who was renowned as the chief rabbi of a prominent city, he demanded that he be allowed to install his own rabbinic supervisors, otherwise he could not offer certification. When they refused, Reblevi Yitzchok remained steadfast, and he traveled to Moscow and met with a man by the name of Mikhail Kalinin to explain his position. Reblevi Yitzchok's efforts bore fruit, and the Soviets relented. Pesach matzahs would be produced under the proper rabbinic standards. If we think about um, notices and things that are coming out today about um, stuff that may be suspect or not kosher in uh, Johannesburg, it's interesting to know the kind of pressure and the kind of difficulties and the kind of uh, steadfastness, resoluteness, and strength that um, people like uh, Rabbi Levi Yitzhak Schneerson had to have in the face of tremendous, tremendous opposition today in a country like South Africa. We take for granted the fact that it is actually so easy, that um, it's so easy to keep kosher, that it's so easy to find kosher products, that um, the world out there, the country out there, um, doesn't even notice that there's a, a renowned Bethdin stamp on all of the kosher products that you could just about everything that you could find in um, any store, whether you're traveling from here to Cape Town or you're in any of the little dorpies around the country, it's something quite incredible. But we don't think about the fact that there under uh, the Soviet pressure, under the communists, it was something that was impossible for people to accomplish and achieve. Tremendous opposition on a philosophical level, and uh, nobody wanted anybody to come near them with anything and any suggestion of being kosher. Amazingly, um, Rabbi Levi Yitzhak Schneerson was approached by the communists, by the um, Soviet government, and he was able to even impress upon them that um, matzahs could only be supervised and made under his supervision if he had the full and final rights of who was going to be appointed there as the kashrut supervisors to ensure that everything was kosher and was correct. Now, on the 9th of Nissan in 5699, which was March the 28th in 1939, at about 3 o'clock in the morning, four agents of what was known as the NKVD arrived at the Schneerson home on a 30 Barikandna Street in Yekaterinoslav. They placed guards at each of the doors and they began to search the house. Rifling through the thousands of pages of Rabbi Levi Yitzchok's written works on Kabbalah, Halacha, and rabbinic correspondence. They confiscated his rabbinic ordination certificates and a petition from the community of Jaffa that he emigrate and serve as chief rabbi, along with visas for the entire family. And finally, at 6 o'clock in the morning, after they'd ended their search, Rabbi Levi Yitzchok Schneerson was arrested 
for his activities on behalf of Judaism in the Soviet Union. After more than a year of terrible torture and interrogation in uh, Stalin's notorious prisons, Rabbi Levi Yitzchok was tried in Moscow and sentenced for the heinous crime of spreading Judaism, of standing up for Yiddishkeit, of being a rabbi, and primarily of being a Jew. Um, He was sentenced to five years of exile in Central Asia. Rabbi Tzinchana subsequently followed him to be with him at his remote location in exile. Rabbi Levi Yitzchok and Rabbi Tzinchana's first home was in a place called Chili. It was a single room in the dwelling of a crude Tatar couple who had a young child. And the room had no door, was an absolute dump, uh, dump. It was damp, it was muddy, and it was filled with uh, mosquitoes um, day in and day out. They lived in, in most abject poverty and tremendous discomfort with absolutely no privacy. Though they never discussed it, pangs of hunger tormented them. And once they didn't taste a piece of bread, they said, for an entire month. With World War II ravaging Europe, many refugees and displaced people ended up in the Kazakhstan region where Rabbi Levi Yitzchak had been exiled. Rabbi Levi Yitzchak soon became well-known among the Jewish refugees in large groups of men and women, especially those women whose husbands were taken away for the war effort, would visit the esteemed rabbi and his wife, um, seeking counsel on various matters of a personal Jewish and uh, simply existence um, a kind of matters. With meager resources at their disposal and facing the constant threat to their very own lives, Levi Yitzhak and Robertson Hanna heroically reached out to their brethren in need, helping in every possible way, materially and spiritually. Sadly, in 1944, as Rabbi Levi Yitzchok Schneerson's sentence was nearing its end, unfortunately, his physical condition began to deteriorate. Though he was unaware of this, a serious illness was spreading through his body, severely weakening him. Meanwhile, friends in nearby Almata resolved to secure the rabbi's release. They contributed thousands of rubles, giving of most of their wealth, in order to acquire the proper permits for his relocation. After six weeks fraught with setbacks and obstacles, they were finally able to obtain the release documents. And immediately after Pesach, after Passover, Rabbi Levi Yitzchak and Rabbi Tzimchana left Chi'ili and arrived in Alma'ata. In this large city, their living conditions improved somewhat, and they worked more vigorously to help others who were in need. Yet through the summer, the rabbi's illness grew worse and worse. A young friend made a special trip from Leningrad to Amata, together with a well-known doctor. The doctor did not have a good prognosis for the rabbi. He had no cure for the ailment. Rabbi Levi Yitzhak and Rabbi Tzinchana endured those heartbreaking days with exceptional strength and fortitude. Despite the dire conditions, they continued to welcome any depressed or broken person into their home, attending to his or her specific needs, providing food for them when it was necessary. But on the 20th of Av, Rabbi Levi Yitzchak's condition turned critical. Although he was no longer able to speak, he continued to murmur words of Torah and tell him. So that evening, Rabbi Tzinchana took a short rest so that she would have the strength to continue caring for him. When she awoke, she found the house filled with people. Her husband's holy soul had been returned to his maker. 
Now, during the years as Rabbi of Yekaterinoslav, as well as while in Chile, in exile, Rabbi Levi Yitzchok wrote thousands of manuscripts of Torah analysis and novella, encompassing and inter- intertwining in his unique style, Talmud, Halacha, Kabbalah, and Hasidism. Unfortunately, most of these manuscripts were misplaced or destroyed by the communists and the Nazis, respectively, respectively. But when she escaped Russia in 1947, Rebetzin Hanna managed to smuggle out the manuscripts that Rabbi Levi Yitzchak Schneerson had written during his years of exile. At the behest of Rabbi Levi Yitzchak's famous son, the Lubavitcher Rebbe, these manuscripts were published in a five-volume set under the title Likute Levi Yitzchak. In his father's memory, the Rebbe would also explain a passage of these Kabbalistic teachings at many of his Shabbat Fabrengans. And to this day, Likute Levi Yitzchak remains one of the most unique works on Kabbalistic thought from the last century. So what a, a legacy and what an incredible day to reflect on the kind of Mesirat Nefesh, the kind of um, absolute self-abnegation, of devotion, of dedication, and of commitment that people like Rabbi Levi Yitzhak Schneerson, and particularly him himself, had for Am Yisrael, for the Jewish people. Were it not for his Mesirat Nefesh, who knows what would have been in uh, for uh, for Jews in Russia and of course then um, throughout the world what would have been um, the kind of attitude and the kind of atmosphere created by his famous son um, the Rebbe Rabbi Menachem Mendel Schneerson had it not been for his absolute mesiras nefesh for his absolute lack of concern for himself the fact that he con- uh, contributed in such a deep and a profound way, not only to the mystical works of the Jewish people, not only to the halachic works of the Jewish people, but to that attitude of the having the ability to stand up to and actually to ultimately perish for, to die for Judaism and everything that it stood for, for Torah, for um, all the beauty that it conveys and that it continues to give us all in such a profound and such a deep and such a beautiful way um, right up until today. And so today on the 20th of Av, as we come to the latter part of this um, fascinating month, a month that is usually um, imprinted with and emblazoned with um, such um, a kind of a heaviness, which we discussed last week and the week before, or uh, rather the week before that and the week before that, um, when we were thinking about the nine days, Tisha B'Av, um, the three weeks and so on, it kind of made the month of Menachem Av such a... Um, a heavy time. But last week we discussed the idea of the 15th of Av, that at the middle of the month there's kind of the turnaround town. And hey, did you see the eclipse on Friday night? Wasn't it quite fascinating and amazing to think about um, the idea, the concept of uh, the 15th of the month marking this year, and certainly in this part of the world, a total eclipse of the moon. And at the time that that eclipse takes place, we could possibly be lulled into the kind of negative sentiment that is often expressed about an eclipse, that the it's a, regarded as a bad omen, as a bad sign for the Jewish people. And, of course, our sages um, very, very uh, poignantly and powerfully conclude that the concept of an eclipse is um, only to be regarded as something negative if we're doing something negative, but it's something very positive if we're doing positive stuff. In other words, they conclude we should not be given over to omens. We shouldn't look at these omens as meaning anything, in fact, but um, just to continue to do our good things, to do our mitzvahs, to learn our Torah, to continue along the right and the correct path. And in that way, we ensure that um, only good and positive things happen.
happen for all our people. And here towards the end of the month, we have once again story of great and tremendous suffering, story of the difficulty of Reb Levi Yitzchok Schneerson, the story of the punishment and the torture, the anti-Semitism, um, the anti-Jewishness, the anti-Torah, the anti-Mitzvahs kind of campaign that was run by the Soviets, by the communists. And yet a man of such strength and caliber uh, stood up to it all, was able to stand up to um, the powerful uh, Russian, Soviet Russian uh, government and was able to stand up for uh, rules of Kashrut, for his Yiddishkeit, for his Judaism, and of course to blaze the trail of the legacy of um, the Lubavitcher Rebbe and uh, his son who uh, went on to become um, one of the greatest uh, Jews who ever lived, um, if not um, in the very, very top echelons of Jews who ever lived, thinking about the Lubavitcher Rebbe and all that he contributed to the wherewithal of Judaism in the world today. That kind of image from a parent to a child of Mesiras Nefesh was something that was, um, while harsh, absolutely irreplaceable and absolutely incredibly powerful in uh, the Rebbe's uh, whole upbringing and his background and everything that he stood for thereafter. This is Judaism 101.9 with Rabbi Michael Katz of Elovo. So we've been speaking uh, about Reb Levi Yitzhak Schneerson, about his Mesiras Nefesh, about his total commitment to things Jewish. And in fact, um, I've been thinking over the last few weeks, certainly here in Johannesburg, perhaps even over the last few months, uh, we've been witnessing a whole lot of new found things that the Joburg Jewish community isn't really used to. A um, little bit of the rise of uh, anti-Semitism, a feeling of uneasiness, perhaps at certain comments that are made, and then certain defamatory and terribly anti-Semitic articles that um, appear in the press and uh, very quickly go viral, and uh, very often ones that quote from Jewish sources and utilize that as a means to uh, dispel or rather to disseminate their um, particular gripe and attack and uh, line of uh, thinking um, against um, the Jewish people or against the Jewish community, having to label people as being Jewish where there's no such label for people who may be of any other dispensation um, or any other religion. And uh, the thought that struck me, of course, in reading all of these things, of course, is the upset and the uh, sadness at such things uh, being mentioned in the public arena um, and how hurtful they actually are. But then again, to kind of consider what we as Jews carry as a badge of honor and uh, not at all as some regard it as a, um, a burden. And that is that... You know, the modern watchword today is something that we call EQ. Um, EQ being your emotional quotient or your emotional intelligence. Of course, there is uh, your IQ, your intelligence quota, and then there is the emotional one. We talk a lot about psychologists and people are given over to talking a lot about emotional intelligence. Now, there are some people who have tremendous... Um, intellectual intelligence. There are some people who um, have emotional intelligence as well as intellectual. There are some who have one or the other. And then there are some who have neither of the two. However, when it comes to um, Jews and uh, Judaism, something that I discussed certainly in my community over this last Shabbat, 
is that I think that um, we as Jews have to remember, and this is a message from Judaism 101.9, that we also have what I would like to call a JQ, a Jewish quotient. Um, there is something that we have to have that um, has to go with us, and we have to wear it, as I said, as a badge of honor wherever we go. And that is, whether we like it or not, the world out there is going to judge us as being Jewish. We think we can hide. We think we can get away from it all. We think that um, it's not going to be recognized if I'm going to dress um, in the way of uh, the fashion of the world, if I'm going to behave in the way of the fashion of the world. Fortunately or unfortunately, there's something in the Jewish soul and there's something about Jews that um, is very, very obvious to the world out there. It's something that people can pick up almost instantaneously, you know, just like you and I um, believe that we have the ability to pick out who is a Jew and who is not a Jew. Um, the world out there has that same ability, and they judge us for it. And um, we are, and we need to remember this, I think, from a Jewish point of view, that is that whether we like it or not, we're Jewish first. We're everything else second. And there may be a lot of people out there who are not quite sure where I'm going with this or what I'm thinking about or what, what I'm getting at. Um, but we've got to remember that every time there is a label that's banded around um, Jew uh, this or a Jewish that or um, some kind of a, a label, whether it's done in a tongue-in-cheek way, whether it's done in a way whereby it is clearly anti-Semitic or not, we're Jewish, and we're Jewish first and foremost, and we need to stand up for it, and we need to uh, be proud of it, and we need to make sure that wherever we go and whatever we do, we're always aware of the fact that there could be a knock-on effect um, on our people, on the Jewish people, on Am Yisrael, who we certainly would want, not want to tarnish in any way. This is Judaism 101.9 with Rabbi Michael Katz of Elovo. So just to sum up, we've been talking today about uh, this incredible day of Chof of, Chof Menachem of, the 20th day of Av. The yard site of a great man passed away in 1944, the great Rabbi Levi Yitzhak Schneerson. And uh, he, of course, the father of the Lubavitcher Rebbe, Rabbi Menachem Mendel Schneerson, passed away in exile for having stood up um, against the Soviet Union in so many ways. A great Rav, a great leader, a great rabbi, a great teacher, a great Kabbalist, a great halachic authority. But most of all, a great man of Mesiras Nefesh, a man who had tremendous, tremendous um, strength of character and strength of commitment to Judaism, to Torah, to mitzvot, to everything that was Jewish. A person who had what I would call a very high JQ, a, a Jewish quotient, an ability um, to function knowing that every fiber of his being and not um, without, with or without knowing, but that every fiber of his being was Jewish and was given over to things Jewish and doing things Jewish. To uh, a person like that who, with every step that he took and everything that he said and everything that he touched and everything that um, he was involved in, became what we would call a Kiddush Hashem, an absolute Kiddush Hashem, an absolute sanctification of God's name. Instead of, God forbid, the opposite, where sometimes we do things that are uh, without thinking, that we do things that may inadvertently cause harm to other people just because they're Jewish and just because we're Jewish, we need to remember that JQ, that Jewish quotient that we need to have, that ability of 
spiritual and emotional intelligence to understand that first and foremost I'm Jewish, that everything that the world out there sees and everything that I see and everything that um, and my friends and neighbors and my family see needs to first and foremost be underscored, underlined and completely highlighted by the fact that we are Jews, that we are Jewish. This perhaps is really the meaning of uh, this coming week's Parsha's name, Akev. Akev meaning a heel. We need to be Jewish from the very top of our heads down to the very heel of our foot, our very, very baby toe. Everything about us needs to be Jewish, and we need to understand the impact thereof. It's, as I said, a badge that we need to wear with great, great honor and great respect to understand the impact of it all, not only on ourselves and on those around us, but on the world per se. I want to wish you a great rest of the week. I want to wish you a great Shabbat up ahead, and I look forward to being back with you same time, same place next week on Judaism 101.9.